Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host Mel, and today I'm joined by Liam and Will. Will, good to have you back. Yes, very good to, to be back. Unfortunately, I didn't get to to boast about my fantastic week last week, which I think is probably a good thing for everyone involved. But very happy to be back this week. Another great uh, round of AFLW action. We're halfway through the season. Mm. Looking forward to the chats. Excellent. And Liam, specifically, Liam, how's it going? Uh, thank you specifically, Mel. Uh, it's going pretty well. I managed to actually have a half-decent captain for the first time mm. in uh, nearly a month, so that really did help to rally the spirits and, as it turns out, my fantasy score as well. Fantastic. Um, I can't say I've done that. I've once again captained the wrong person. We're now halfway through the season and maybe maybe I'll get it right <laughs> once in the season. Um but what a what a good game of footy, and I'm just gonna sorry a good week of footy, and I'm just gonna start by saying Friday. Oh my gosh, I was so happy. I don't think I can be happier than watching my two sides play on a beautiful public holiday in the sun when my number one side does actually win. But it was a great day, um, and got to hang out with you guys for a bit as well. Just great game overall. Um, which games did you guys get to this weekend? Last weekend. Yeah, I um I got to the Richmond Fair game as you said. I stuck around for the Carlton Sydney game, which I think was probably my highlight of the weekend. Actually, it was a very competitive game. Sydney, who I was going for, didn't quite manage to come away with the win, but they're showing massive signs of improvement, which is fantastic for the competition. Um, you and I also went to the Melbourne Geelong game Ooh. down in Geelong, which went about as well as we kind of expected, but. Oh, gee, that Melbourne side—they are—they are fierce, and the way they move the move the footy, they really do look like a team that's going to push for a, a second premiership. They really held on to a decent margin for the first two and a half ish quarters there, uh, but then it was a bit of a flogging uh, that we probably expected to see. And Liam, I was just the Richmond Fremantle game. Because the Bombers game was near impossible to get to and it sounds like it was disgustingly hot to go and watch as well. And I, I also was not going to go down to, to, to go and watch Geelong get, uh, get pumped in the nicest possible way, Will. I that's, that's don't care for Geelong as much as you and I don't like front runners like Melbourne just, just in general. So, yeah, it was a no from me. Whack. But fair enough, I think. <laughs> Whack by giving them a compliment. Because they're that bloody good. Damn them for being good. Um, but yes, <laughs> oh, well, it, it was a good good week of footy. Speaking about damning people for being good, Will, how'd you go this week? Uh, well, not as yes, good as me. Not as good as Liam this week, um, but I've still managed to keep my sailboat ahead of him in the night. Um, so I scored 14.22, uh, which gives me a round rank of 430 to keep my overall rank moving upwards to 327. So a movement of about 150 exactly. Um, in terms of what kept me afloat this week, it really was my uniques, and we'll talk about them a bit more in a second. But like most people this week, a lot of the really popular options didn't quite perform as well as we'd like. So I had a few players that did me really, really well to keep me up into the higher bracket. 
And we've actually all had a week where we got points in the 1400s and a pretty, like, top 500 round rank. So props to the free kick team uh, for doing decently. Liam, huge week. Yeah, huge, massive. I have actually scraped through by the skin of my teeth and it's only down to one unique and that is the VC loophole on Laura Gardner Mm. for the second highest score of the round, which has truly saved me uh, a world of hurt. So props to her because otherwise my trades this week basically netted out at zero points. If uh, if it did generate me like a little bit of cash just because of where I ended up putting things, but I also would like to summarise my weekend by saying that I have a bunch of defenders who appear to not want to play in the fourth quarter. I'm looking specifically at you. Well, actually, Tani Evans, Charlie Thomas and Eilish Sheeran all had pretty ropeable single-digit scores in the second half. So I am severely disappointed in that in what otherwise could have been a every single one of my defenders can get to 90 type of round. That really did bring me back down to earth a bit. Um, great summary of what happened in your team there, Liam, but what was your actual rank? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, that detail, that, that's the reason we do this. A uh, Good point. Uh, so I scored a 14.29. I had a round rank of Seven. 360. And I had uh, moved up 283 spots to rank 432. And I'm going to propose that we just take a beat to pause and mark respects to the fact that I've actually moved up in rank for the first time. You've reversed the slide, the mid-season slide. I have reversed the slide three rounds earlier than I did last year, and that that truly fills me with joy. And again, it it feels even better when I know that it is almost entirely down to Laura Gardner. Mm. Mm. Yeah, good, good captain choice there. Um, I did not have a good captain choice once again, and that's pretty much... Yeah, I mean, like, my midfield were all fairly low scoring as it was, and then when I watched Gardner play, I was like, thank God I didn't captain her. That was a shocker. Well, a shocker by Gardner's standards. And then watching Noffy play. I hope that's Gardner. Gardner, yes, I keep getting them. I keep pronouncing them the same. Gardner. And then I watched Noffy play, and I was like, oh, my Lord, I know what I've done here. I've got the tagger and the taggy both in my team, one of them is my captain and it's the final game of the round and I'm watching this game intently being like, great game of footy, this is my fantasy score playing out in front of me. Oh, gosh, that was a stressful one for me. Um, but overall, I got a 14.09, which, you know, pretty happy with just given I had a crappy captain choice once again. Um, means the rest of my team's doing okay. So round rank of 4.79, total rank of 792. Top 1,000, which is great, top given I started in the top 10,000 just. So, yeah, 450-point gain again. If I can do that one more time, just another 450-point gain, uh, rank gain, I'll be pretty happy. Nice. Just all of us can aim for that 400-rank gain. 450-rank gain, yep. yeah. I'll, we'll I'll aim for that and then be well. minus 18. Perfect. Um, I'll be minus 100. Pretty happy with that. <laughs> I wouldn't say no. I'm so glad you're here just so that you can keep rubbing in your score (laughs) that you didn't get to do last week. Um, Oh, yes. So plus fours. Will, other than giving it to yourself, is there anyone you'd like to give yours to? (laughs) It's funny. This week, last week I would have given it to myself, but this week I'm not because I did 
a last minute trade which didn't quite work out and I could blame you Mel but really it was entirely me um, who did you trade I I traded out uh Bresnahan for Claudia Gunjaka who scored a 39 oh. which the only reason that I'm okay with it is cuz she made $6000 and that allows me to have enough money to do my trades this week but more on that later so my plus four for this week is Ali Morford. And Ali Morford, bringing in Ali Morford after round one has been the single best trade I have done for the entire year. Because being able to have Ali Morford score usually 30 to 40 points more than pretty much every other ruck that's going around is doing me wonders. And it's part of the reason why I'm doing well. I like it. It is actually, it's actually hilarious the fact that the biggest miss from your starting side in Matilda Schultz has culminated in your single best trade of the year. Yep, absolutely. Because Matilda Schultz <laughs> made like 300K in two weeks Whenever, if you started with her and you've gone, nope, I don't have her, so I may as well go up to the number one you know, mid-priced option as it would appear because she's playing basically as a midfielder and she's now the she's now gained the fourth highest amount of cash one rank below Matilda Schultz. So you have stumbled upon a pot of gold. Oh, I wouldn't have said stumbled. I was actually very, very keen on Ellie Morford as Will, a player. Will, you but... missed out on the number one rookie, uh, number two ranked rookie. That is a stumble, and you have turned it into a pot of pure gold. A pot of gold. And I think because we're, a huge focus of this week, this week's episode is going to be Matilda Schultz. And I'm just so glad I don't have to have this conversation because I've already done it three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Ellie Morford has basically single-handedly helped me get up into the, the, the upper echelons of the rankings as as far as I can tell by having that advantage. I've basically nick- nicknamed her my advantage. That's how much I've really rated Ellie Morford's ability to make my team work. So Ellie Morford, keep doing what you're doing because she is scoring bulk points and it's doing me fantastic. Yeah, it's fa- well. I'll save the rock conversation for later, um, actually. Liam. Uh, I am going to give my plus four Kiara Bowers Award for the best player of the week to Laura Gardner in a <laughs> shocking <laughs> twist to absolutely nobody. We are, and we can, I just actually, can I just actually give a shout out? on this for Liam. Because, no. Because you can why? do it every week. <laughs> She's the second highest scoring player in the game. Third. Which is why you is can't she third give or plus second at this point? Because it's too easy. I feel like you're giving the plus easy. four to the yeah, way but... that you navigated the loophole. Oh, I'll, gi- I'll, give that... it, I'll give it to you this week. I'll give it to you this week. I agree with you, Mel. The, vo- the vice captain, that's worth it. Hmm. That's what I mean. Nifty. Like, and it was the fact she also yeah. put together a really nice and I think she might have done a forty point last quarter to really put my questions about whether or not I take the loop completely out of the mm. equation. Finished off with a 44-point final quarter to make it like, yep, that's totally fine. Because otherwise I would have been sitting there going like, Noffy went 172 last week and Garner's coming off the back of a 120 and 2150s. Mm. I don't know what I would have done or I, I don't want to think about how crap my rank would have been without yeah. it. So like, let's just like move on to yours, Mel. Because <laughs> sure. this one was also tough to watch. Yeah, this is the one game of the week that I didn't watch or listen to any component of, which was we were just talking about the Saints-Bulldogs game at, I think, 7 p.m. on Friday. Um, But I checked my phone later that night to have a look at the fantasy scores, and, my God, Priest, wow. Um, 
We spoke about how we were thinking that she's going to be top five defender just because she has had a really good run and a really good role and really coming into her own a little bit before. Um, but can't say I saw that coming. That was, And that's with two frees against as well. What a huge game. Liam, uh, did you watch it? Can you shed some light on how that happened? I did watch it. It came a lot down to the fact that Ellie Blackburn is very good at reading where the ball is going to go. She's an elite player at it, and that's why quite often players that tag Ellie Blackburn have great scores. Uh, Hannah Priest, I think, may have had a fifth of all of St Kilda's tackles. I'm going to try and pull the number up whilst I talk about it, but she was tackling absolutely everything. She had a shot on a couple of shots on goal. No, she had a sorry, she had a sixth of all of the tackles of St Kilda. Where'd you get that Ten. so quickly? They only had 59 in total. Oh, I've got my magic magic spots. Uh, importantly, though, she was around the ball all the time. She is a reliable kick in a team that is not very good at hitting targets. And I think that was honestly the main thing to take away from that game. There was a, a relatively high number of times where possession chains went possession, mark, like kick, drop mark. And then there was just a scrum and a tackle. So Priesty looked incredible. Mm. Well, anything to add on to why Priest had such a good week? Ah, oh, because she's a legend. That's why. <laughs> no, I, she's not. A, that's not I, the reason. I love Hannah Priest. She's been one of my unique picks that's done me very, very well. I've had her since the start. She's now the outright best defender going round. I'm, I'm just very happy with it, to be honest. Yeah, well, that's all good and well about Priest, but I'm going to start off our Paige Scott negative one for the flop of the week with mine. Um, I kind of alluded to it before, but having single and Noffy in that game, wah, not only, like, single was an amazing tagger, she's so good that she prevented Noffy doing literally anything for, like, nine minutes. And the most annoying part of this was I didn't really see it coming because Hatchard's usually the tag, and then Hatchard had a great quarter. And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm dying. Neither of them are doing well. Um, and then, luckily, they shook it up a little bit and Hatchard was, uh, sorry, Noffy was actually able to play some football, which was nice. And they both turned out with some decent scores. I mean... It wasn't the best thing ever, but it could have been a lot worse. Um, So that's making me really consider just how low the taggies score I can be and what that means for single. Liam? I was just going to say that uh, I think you can give like a little bonus kind of add-on minus one to the Gold Coast coaching staff who have pulled the same move that West Coast did with tagging Laura They've decided as much as every other team in the comp tags Anne Hatchard because she can dominate, mm. we're going to tag the other one and lose by a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they started losing a lot more once they took the tag off, but then why would you take the tag off and not put it on Hatchard? I just, yeah, it doesn't really make a lot of sense there. I, th- I think it might have been as well that it was just wasn't completely off uh, Marinoff. It was just a little bit less intense. I think from the top of my mind as well, there was a bit of time off ground for single in the in the second half, more so than in the first half. Yeah. And that contributed to her scoring, but it was never it never went to Hatchard. It just wasn't as mm. strong kind of after the first two quarters. But again, I just don't understand why you wouldn't tag the player that if they don't get tagged, I'd say she is up there with 
uh, Ghana for a walking 10 coaches' votes because she can absolutely dominate, kick what kick more goals this week. Well, actually, maybe didn't, but it doesn't even matter. Like, Hatchard is the player mm. you need to tag, and so it's an L for Gold Coast Suns coaching staff. Yep. I hope every coach in the AFLW watches that game and it's like, whew, we're going to tag Hatchard, and then Noffy can get me all of the great points and everyone else who captained her as well. Um, <laughs> Liam, who's your neg one? Uh, well, this one was a really tough one to to pick, to be honest. Um, I'd like to give it to Megan Kaufman, who was my trade-in for her 58 in the end, which was really disappointing given for most of the time she had a great role. But I am still coming to grips with what on earth is going on at Fremantle, and I honestly think we could dedicate a full 30-minute sub-episode to what on earth is happening there. They've gone from the break the record in the first two weeks levels of tackles to they got out-tackled by more than 30 against Richmond on the weekend. But one, like... I know, yeah. it's it's like really bad, but didn't massively over-possess the ball either. I, like, I, mm. I truly don't understand it. And also they, they made the decision that if you were a midfielder, you were a midfielder, except for the quarter you would spend sitting at full forward. So all of Stanett... Gabby O'Sullivan, Miller, and Kaufman basically spend a quarter of their time sitting in the goal square. I don't get it, and so I can't blame Kaufman for that. The player that I am going to give my minus one to, and that's Britt Benici for her, I think, 68 off the top of my head. It, what really frustrated me is she's 69. 69. She started really, really well, but could not put together consistent scoring through the quarters. Now, that game was also very weird because of how windy it was. It was not a lot of marks being taken. It was all like distance kicking. It probably did have an impact on Benici, but to only put up a 7 and a 12 in the second half from someone who we know can score 100s, you know, around that low 100 week to week because of the way she just racks up a decent amount of tackles, gets the marks, get the possessions. That was a real flop performance in a game where I did need her to go a little bit better to, to be my differentiator. And Will? Yeah. I've given mine to Chloe Malloy, who for the second straight mm. week, not that I had the chance to actually say it last week, but for the second straight week has got my minus one. 51 versus Carlton just ain't cutting it, unfortunately. Um, didn't seem to be copying too much particular attention or anything. She just was very good at getting where the ball lane against uh, Carlton, unfortunately. So, yeah. Not great from Chloe, unfortunately. She, she she was one of two players to not take a mark for Sydney. The other in one fact, being Alicia Newman. In fact, realistically, if it wasn't for seven pretty good tackles, she's done very, very little else in that game. Only 10 disposals, didn't kick a goal. Yeah, it's a weird one. I, I think a possible trade-out if you've got no other issues, which if you don't, then congratulations. You've got a much better side than I. Oh, gosh. Well, speaking of people that have some very good sides, Will, why don't you take us through who's smashing the game with your watch and wait scoreboard? Oh, the watch and wait scoreboard. Our leader is once again Josh with his team, Phyllis, who's at 7619, which is a nine-point margin over the second best coach and 11 points over the third. So congratulations. You're not going to try to pronounce the second base side there, Will? Zinisters. Yeah, right. I would say. I reckon you could have launched that with the first time. Yeah, probably could have. Um, I'm not going to name the second one, though, because that's very strange. Um, 
but the top 100 marker sits at 7,306, and the score to stay in was 1417. So starting to really push the the high numbers to stay into that top 100, as you'd expect at this time of year. In terms of our free kick league, the highest in our league, the top three are all sitting in our league, which is fantastic, battling it out. We also have 34 in the top 100, so we had a few drop out for the first time, but importantly, I am now in that top 100. So, <laughs> No, no, that's in, that's in the top 100 of our league, not top 100 yeah. of the comp. Well, I'm in the yeah. top 100 of our league. Don't worry about me. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Um, okay, so for our hot topics this week, going to go through two. First, we'll go through having a look at the matchups for the second half of the game. So halfway through, um, what have we learned about the teams in terms of hardness to play against for each of the lines in the first five games? And what do we think that that's going to mean for um, some of those key lines in each of the teams? Who should we be looking more favourably on, and who should we? and who should we be looking away from um and then we'll have a run through our new favorite segment love it or lister it uh with some big names <laughs> that we might all have to be dealing with later in the later when we do our trades so um in terms of the half two matchups um quick, quick I pause been, mel oh yeah half two oh, half? sorry that's very financial yeary in terms of the uh <laughs> Q4, H2. Um, in terms of the <laughs> second half, oh, gosh. Um, this is a financial game. It's okay. <laughs> oh, yes. There are we dollars. We are not a financial podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is not financial advice. Technically it is, though, when you think about it. Past performance <laughs> is not a reliable indicator of future indicator performance. Of future that future still performance. holds. <laughs> guys, guys, I already work in financial services regulation. I don't need it bleeding into my hobbies. Thank you very much. Oh. Okay, well, back to footy then. Looks like Carlton and Geelong have some pretty easy runs coming up. Just having a look at how many teams that they're playing that are below their current ranking. Um, so they're coming currently sixth and eighth, and they've got pretty much bottom bottom ranking games going forward, which is good for Geelong uh, being Will's team. Um, and so Brisbane and North currently, you know, top three and four, they've actually both got to play Adelaide and Melbourne coming up who are currently ranked one and two. And I think we could, we're all pretty aligned on the idea that those four are going to kind of finish top four in some order. Um, so that's going to be really interesting when we think about how those four swap positions, who gets the ball first, which midfielders are doing the tackling, um, versus maybe getting a disposal in there. Will? Yeah, I actually, I actually think ironically, thanks to their easy run, I think one of those four teams that we probably all agree are the top four is probably going to fall out of the top four because of Geelong, who should realistically win their remaining five games. So let's just say uh, that... I'll, I'll, Will, Will, I'm going to step in a little too early there. They are currently only 20 cent favourites over Essendon. That's probably... So it's actually their, very, very close. It's actually arguably their toughest matchup to come as well, to be honest. Uh, um, probably yeah, the, no, definitely harder than Fremantle because they're rubbish. Yeah, definitely terrible. Um, but I think I think my point is Brisbane dropped a few early games. Um, so let's say they lose a couple of games to North and to to Adelaide and Melbourne, for example, they might end up dropping out. Um, to a Geelong probably doesn't really matter in terms of fantasy, but I just want to give Geelong a plug. Um, but 
it does create a, a really interesting point, as you say, Mel, because a lot of people have been targeting Georgie Presparkas and Amy McDonald in particular because they've got an easy run. We know that Presparkas has just lost a bucket load of money as well due to her lowest score for the season, a 68. So she's a player that could conceivably even be a target next week if she doesn't go massive. If she can score sort of a 100-ish, she might still lose a little bit of money with, with due to a high break even. could be a really good upgrade target um, to go for someone like, say, a Benici if she doesn't um, return to her form. So there's going to be some really interesting um, players to target from those teams, whereas, I mean, we talk about Brisbane and North, for example, like Riddell and Garner are probably going to score pretty well regardless of who they play, but it, it might change how you look at some of the other players, for example, some of the, the defenders. We've talked a bit about um, Nat Grider across um, across the recent episodes. Will it be good that she's playing against good teams because the ball's going to be down there more, or will it mean that she's got to actually do a lockdown role? It's going to be really interesting to look at. William? Oh, I, I, like, I think this is the interesting from a football-watching perspective, but I think the individual matchups and how they align with different players' roles is probably a better indication of who our targets are going to be because, you know, John, you talk about having an easy run. Essendon are one of the hardest teams to score against for midfielders because as much as Essendon are an expansion side, their great skill is being able to extract the ball and get it out to their wings as quickly as possible. And that really does limit a lot of midfield scoring unless you're Anne Hatchard. And even then she had to kick two <laughs> goals and I think she took four marks inside 50. So you're really beginning to see that it's actually all about the defense versus a certain position. And like I think that's the general idea of this, right? We just kind of talk about who's got good runs for their position. That's where I think like Georgie Prasparkas coming up against the tough to score against Essendon there's more money to drop, and then she finishes with some really easy, much easier to score against teams like like a Hawthorne and a few of the other ones that we've traditionally said pick players that are playing against these teams. So I reckon it's going to be super interesting to watch because if she can put up a decentish score against an Essendon, that's a, a suggestion that yep, she's still in reasonable form. Mm. Pull the trigger the week after because she's going to lose yep. a little bit more money. Hopefully, like. I say hopefully, but if she does, if she scores, you know, a big 140 or whatever against Essendon, then she's probably not going to lose money. But it's a good indication that she's, you know, raring to go in terms of point scoring. So I think that's kind of how I'm looking at it in that sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So I might uh, kick us off with the midfielders then, since we've just been talking about Prasparkas a bit. So what I've had a had a look at is um, we've seen the defense first position hardness scale of how hard it is for players in certain lines when they're versing certain teams and just kind of punted that forward um, from the last 10 games and the last five games based uh, on the matchups that each team has. And having a, a quick look at that, being able to see which side, which teams have the worst on average run for each line. And um, the midfield is, is coming out uh, suggesting that Gold Coast has got a pretty tough run for the midfielders, which I think is quite interesting because Robottom is elite regardless. Um, so I don't think that that necessarily has an impact on her. And I think a lot of this is swayed by something, Liam, you've spoken about a lot before, which is Brisbane being hard team to play against for the midfielders. Um, but do we think that this has an impact on anyone else in the Gold Coast midfield, maybe Whitford or even Robottom, Liam? I was going to say it's almost certainly single and Whitfit who will 
struggle with this the most. Like we do see that the skill of Brisbane is their ability to dominate the ball and they're also quick on the ball. And in the event that there are stoppages, unless you're someone who can dominate in there, you can very easily lose out on points. You kind of look at the fact it was only Batesy who scored well on the weekend uh, against uh, against Brisbane. And outside of that, I think they might have had a 90. One, I think Bates was like a 96, and then everyone else was in the 60s. Yeah, went Bates 98 on the back of 14 tackles, and then it was a 68 for Christy Stratton, which also took 12 tackles. So I think someone like a Whitfit and a single who are more mobility players versus mm. a Robottom who is a contested bully, it does mean that, yeah, I reckon she'll still be lower than what you're expecting, but I think those other two players will be harmed more. And I actually think that means that single's probably not a pickup at this point and might be for the next two weeks at least hard to conceivably be a, a top fiver. Because, mm. yeah, she had a left, like, for, I, I kind of see it as similar to you, Liam, where, like, Lucy Single is a player who actually scores a lot of points through tackles. But she had 11 tackles on the weekend for a 65. And that's mm. where, against some of these stronger teams, the tackles will probably still be there, but the actual ability to get the ball won't. And that's yep. where I agree with you, Liam, the top five potential there for Lucy Singles. It, it, it just dries up because, sure, she's still probably going to get somewhere between seven to ten tackles every week, which is a good chunk of points. But if you're only getting, you know, an eight disposal game like she did against um, against Adelaide, that's where you're going to see the the points drying up. Yeah. yeah, and no marks as well. So that's because it's really going to hurt those kind of players. And that's true basically of every matchup that uh, that Brisbane has particularly when they're just going no tag, one-on-one, this is how we're going to beat you. We're not going to free anyone else up by tagging. They're really going to struggle. So the upcoming matchups that you know, you're know you going to see from Brisbane, Gold Coast are obviously a big problem. Collingwood this week could be rough for Benici if they decide not to tag Davey or if Davey is out with an ankle injury, I'm mightily concerned about what's going to happen to Benici and then rolls into Adelaide. I actually don't mind that one. I think it impacts Hatchard, but also probably the top end for Noffy. Yep. The one that uh, the midfielder uh, midfielders were coming out as a good team to pick from was GWS, which is interesting. Um, Parker we saw have a very big week, and she's someone that we've loved in previous seasons. Do we think she's back, and is this suggesting that she could be a good trade-in option? I personally would have loved to trade her in this week, except that I can't afford to because I'm thinking this run is going to be good for her. Yeah, it's, it's a weird one. Like, I think the problem for Elise Parker is if she's playing in the midfield, we know she's a gun. But we've seen her get thrown around a lot, which isn't great. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I want to do it. I desperately want to do it because it's Elise Parker, but I'm, I, just, I just can't quite bring myself to do it. So I advocated the fact that by the end of the season, I'm going to have Elise Parker. She surprised me with what she did against North, but I think that what she did in getting her 139 was the same game that she had last year in round two against Brisbane. It's like a team allows her to have 100% CBAs, which is what she had, and does not bother to put any attention into into her. They're much like, and, and GWS is very concerned about stopping another midfielder, and so Parker does whatever she wants. The problem is she was really good and she had 100% CBAs and 
I think that with West Coast coming up this week, I think you're going to see the same kind of everyone gets a job at every stoppage on her type of tag that Gardner saw last week. So that's my concern is that Parker's a great option going forward after this week because I really do believe that she'll see some stoppage attention because we've seen that from West Coast more this year than we've ever seen before. It's like spearheaded by Swanson, who's an endurance athlete. Bella Smith is just a pit bull terrier running around. Uh, And then McCarthy is like bloody strong, you know, one of the few players that can match the strength of Parker. So I am, I would be trading in Parker with some trepidation for this week. If it's a player you can hold off and do next week, I think that's better. But I still think you can do it this week because she's a gun and she has the ceiling. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with that. And as you say, like West Coast are a team that, that we know will put effort into her because they can't just have a Ghana and a Riddell running around doing whatever they want and being better anyway. So I'm holding off this week, but I wouldn't blame people mm. if they did pull the trigger. Yep, I like it. Um, and then the tagging, which uh, after watching Single, who is a very good tagger, uh, got me wondering around... Which teams are they facing next over the next couple of weeks and who is she likely to be put on? Um, so we've got Richmond next week for her. That's probably Conti, but I don't know if Conti is that fantasy or highly owned anyway. Um, yeah, she's still. a target this week for people yeah, because people, she's coming off a 121. I think she's about 15% owned as well, which for a unique midfield is actually reasonably high. Oh, okay. Although, to be honest, I haven't checked inside the top 1,000. Yeah whether or not she's particularly highly owned. That's true. Uh, 5% inside the top 1,000, and one person in the top 100 has her. Yeah, so not too concerned about that one, I guess. Um, Then we've got the Lions. So that would be Anderson, who probably also not that well owned. I guess the big one here, we've got GWS coming up with Parker in round nine and Essendon, where she could be tagging Presparkus in round 10. But... That's just my little single alert. Liam, did you want to talk through some of the other tags that we've seen pretty regularly? Uh, So West Coast is obviously the one that we were just discussing. I think the main one that impacts is Parker because outside of that, like unless you're deciding you want to trade in like Ellie Blackburn this week, she's got them in round nine and then I, you know, hatch out in round 10. But I really don't think that outside of that, uh, West Coast are going to be the biggest concerned Uh, The other one that was really interesting on the weekend, and we kind of almost haven't discussed it at all, which is Jazz Garner. I had her in my captain's rankings at number two because I thought there was a possibility that Annalise Lister might have a bit of an impact on her. Lister drops out, and I'm on the live stream with Bales on Friday night when it comes out, and I'm like, wow, look, it's got to be Garner number one captain option this week because... Mm. She's, there's no tag at GWS. As it turns out, there's an even more impactful tagger at GWS, and that's Hanin Zarika, who mm-hmm. did an incredible job in getting from stoppage to stoppage in basically after quarter time. And really, that was the main reason why Ghana had such a tough game, uh, setting aside the really windy conditions that made for some difficult scoring for both sides. I think it's, again, much like West Coast where they've just decided that part of their midfield strategy is to run some form of stoppage attention or tag. Now, why more teams don't do this against North Melbourne, I have no effing idea, no earthly idea why they don't do it. But Sarika 
I think if List is back, it doesn't sound like it'll be straight away. I think it's more just an indication from the coaching staff that someone will cop stoppage attention. The other ones that I, the other one I did want to mention was uh, George and Anscorn and Essendon, who has now in two separate weeks. So she did it against Anne Hatchard, and then this week against Bree Davy, basically plays post defense at um, uh, at stoppages on the best midfielder. She did a pretty good job against it against. Uh, sorry, she did a pretty good job of it against Bree Davy, and was actually doing a good job of it against Hatchard until they were forced to abandon it with injuries at Essendon that really did impact things. I think Hatchard might have had a fifteen point first quarter when she was doing it. So it is impactful. It's just not a week to week thing. Then the other two that have done good jobs so far this year are Haley Miller and Tanya Kennedy. But these are both teams that don't have a consistent strategy to decide. Oh, yeah, no, they're, they're a constant stoppage tagger team. And probably need a midfielder more than they need a tagger. Hayley Miller's probably the biggest mystery of the, of this season, to be completely honest, because we've seen her play as a tagger. We've seen her playing at full forward. She She's one of the most dynamic midfielders in the competition, and they seem to be intent on doing anything but playing her as a dynamic midfielder. It's baffling. Oh, the whole The whole team is baffling. The whole, like, and how do they win that game on the weekend? Like, they, like, I don't understand Fremantle at all. Tua Carina put the small forward on the goals. That was great. I mean, she um, played a great game, Tua Carina, but she did. Like, she was playing the role that she's supposed to play, which is a small forward, which is probably why it works. And I, again, riddle me this Ange Stannett, right? She was a defender in the past. They're like, oh, no, you're actually now a small pressure forward. And now they're like, no. Even though we've we've got actually two, we've got a surplus of midfielders, uh, you're now a midfielder too. She was their highest CBA getting midfielder on the weekend. What are they doing? There's also a what? second I lowest don't fantasy score despite the highest CBAs. I don't get. I don't get Fremantle like to be out tackled by thirty and win the game when you broke the record in the first two weeks is unfathomably weird. Well, <laughs> I don't think we're going to get to the bottom of this right now, but I agree that is it is very weird and very annoying. Looking at defenders, and since we jump straight into the midfield, um, the defence first position analysis is suggesting not to pick up defenders from Collingwood. So they've got some pretty tough matchups coming up. Um, we saw Butler come back, which probably made Geordie Allen less attractive, and Slicer might be coming back. We're not sure what role she'll be in or when exactly. Um, I think when I saw this, my main takeaway was Geordie Allen, someone we spoke about, has kind of faded from the top five. Someone we kind of were like recently, oh, maybe she could come back. Will, thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. Like I saw um, Lauren Butler returning to the team as a good thing for Geordie Allen. I thought, you know what? She comes in. Allen can move further up the ground. Great. Allen hadn't been scoring too badly, all things considered, as well. She'd had a lowest score of 54 and a high of 64. So she wasn't scoring huge, but she was scoring consistently enough. So I was like, you know what? Maybe she's going to come back into that sort of higher up the ground role. Her average is already okay. Going to be great. Against the Bombers, as Liam said, not great conditions. 26. Yeah. Just abysmal for what I was expecting. So I think it's. Pretty obvious right now to put a line through those two. Butler also, I think, scored in the 20s. So could be a late season unique pick if, you know, a few come back. But it's 
not looking great. I think there's a lot down to to the weather there. That was probably part of the reason why Collingwood won is that they didn't look to overpossess the ball kind of at the back or to the side of stoppages. It was just this like, we're just going to punt it long and we're going to try and outkick your zones, uh, whether or not we're into the wind or with the wind in that game. And that was the thing that the Bombers could do. And it, it's indicative of a younger, less experienced side and coach. And that's why they won. And it's also why no defender from Collingwood scored well. Like I'm I'm scrolling through. We've got uh, Selena Carlson with a 40. Uh, Sophie Casey with a 37. Brazali won. Yeah. Brazali with a 35. Allen with a 26. Uh, yeah, Lauren Button with the twenty-two. It is so. I think that horrific can also be indicative of what to what's going to come for Collingwood just in terms of fantasy scorers based on this. Liam, there's another couple of teams you don't want to pick defenders from. Yeah, the the two maybe not for the the rest of the season, but probably just for the next two weeks are Essendon and Gold Coast have really terrible runs for defenders. So the Bombers go up against the two hardest teams to score against and. Gold Coast have the hardest matchup this week in Richmond and then follow that up with another red matchup in round seven, which if I pull up the fixture means that they will be hitting... Oh, they hit Brisbane. So unfortunately for those people, it's probably going to be relevant for us to discuss later, but do you actually trade out of Daisy Darcy off the back of two pretty soft scores and two horrid matchups in the next two weeks. It's something I've been considering. Um, I've got other things that I've been concerned about, but it is definitely something I'm thinking. I think I might have to leave it this week, but yeah. And unfortunately, you're leaving it for the worst week. Exactly. That's the problem. (laughs) Emma O'Driscoll, who'd averaged, what, 70? Had like 30 Mm. against Richmond. Like, he's hard. Yeah. Yep. Um, and just on a surprise in the defenders line, uh, Melbourne has come up as a team that, uh, based on their run, is looking to be good for defenders, which I find very interesting. Given that they're currently ranked number one, I don't know what exactly this is based off. I don't imagine the ball to be back there all that much. Um, but I guess it's kind of having a look at the fact that they're playing teams ranked two, three, and four in the next kind of five games. I mean, we know that... Even then, Fremantle ranked 10th is a good team for defenders, supposedly. I mean, I wouldn't be touching anyone there. We've already spoken about Gay. We've kind of already spoken about Lampard a little bit. But just so I'd throw that fun fun yeah. fact in there. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to see, the, see it, to be honest. It'd be a, like, based on what we've seen from Melbourne, it'd be pretty brave to to pull them up just straight on the, based on those fixtures. But if they do start to get a bit more of it, particularly Maddie Gay is someone who we know can drift further up the ground and get a bit more of the ball. Maybe that might be a value pick, but I find it hard to pick Melbourne defenders straight off considering the way they've been playing. Yep, I agree. Quickly looking at the rucks, um, it's suggesting a no from Brisbane and or Richmond, um, and I think Richmond's a pretty obvious one. We saw kind of Seymour get a little bit hurt previously. She's sharing that ruck role mm. um, with Kelly there, so probably not one that you'd want to be picking up, although we will talk a little bit later about uh, elite ruck upgrade potentials. Um, and what I find really interesting is it's suggesting a yes for Carlton rucks based on the next run. So Jess Good is someone that we've seen top her line a couple of weeks ago, Really improved now that Brianne Moody is apparently an All-Australian full forward. Uh, <laughs> we've got, uh, yeah, so she's one that she's quite expensive now, but, oh, gosh, she's had a good good run at it. Um, and the underrated player of season seven, 
Uh, we've got Edmonds from the Bulldogs, which is also suggesting has a good ruck lineup. Thoughts here, guys, or shall we jump to the forwards? I think I think the other thing to mention is uh, Matilda Schultz has a great matchup next week. Well, sorry, this coming round because she's got Sydney, so that will be relevant for discussion. Mel, smug, smug Morford areas in the corner. <laughs> Over to the forwards. Uh, <laughs> stay clear of Collingwood. Yeah, stay clear of Collingwood. Essentially, which Collingwood forward will be picking? Uh, Sabrina Frederick, I guess. That's a ruck. I mean, she's yeah. She's playing as a forward. She's listed as a forward though. Look, just reading guess, it out. But, yeah. Um, but I get, but I get what you, but I get what you mean, Liam. Yes. Um. So Sarah Rowe playing as a midfielder. Yeah, she's the only one that is listed as a forward in the game that I've kind of put a question mark on for later. But my only point might be, uh, Nell Morris Dalton is now three hundred k. So. Maybe she, you can't expect, you know, ceiling scores of 38 to 45. Might only get 30s. Well, Larry Morris has done okay. She's on 300K still, I think. Maybe 70. No, she made 70 grand last well, week. 370. I apologise. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. She, she went up to. Two 370. From the from bottom price. Yeah. Oh, right. I'm sorry. I've got I'm one week behind on my data <laughs> on obscure Collingwood forwards that no one owns anymore. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Um, it's also suggesting to stay away from Brisbane, um, which I think is interesting. It's kind of, to me, falls in the same bucket as why it's not liking them for rucks. There's just something skewing it a little bit, but also maybe it's around, because like, Davidson looked like a real contender after her last big game. Any thoughts on forwards from Brisbane? Oh, key forwards. Not really. Yeah, key forwards kind of always not a huge fan unless they're playing in the ruck a bit. Um, Davidson, big game against a fairly weak opposition in Hawthorne. Don't love it, to be honest. Um, but I think I think one of the things about it is the forward line at the moment, there's a clear top four, and you're basically just trying to figure out who you can put as a, your fifth if you've managed to get all four of them. I, I think the forwards are probably the most simple line at the moment. Yep. Yes, I see. Cool. Okay. Well, in terms of teams that is suggesting for forwards, we've got GWS and North Melbourne. Um, I think we can understand why North Melbourne, they're a, a very dominant side uh, and have got a good lineup coming. Um, but GWS, any GWS forwards coming out to you guys? There's one who was nearly a top five last year who I think their price now starts with a five. It was Georgia Garnett. Uh, who has scored horrendously. Oh, no, it's 491 off the yeah, back of three scores in the 30s. There's no marks for Georgia Garnett this year, which is disappointing. Which I think embodies almost perfectly what it, – it matches my eyes because I just think that GWS is so much chaos now trying to get the ball to go forward their unwillingness to turn to their best kicks is evidence of that. But like Garnett averaged nearly 70 last year off the top of my head and has mm. now dropped basically 400K and can score at 70s when given the right role. So she's a name to keep a, your kind of finger on the pulse of. Yeah. Okay. So, wow, that was a pretty good conversation about the teams that we have and we threw a couple of players names in there as well but now we're going to go through our dedicated love it or lister it 
section. Uh, love it is keep, lister it is trade it out. And we might do a bit of a rapid fire here with some names. I will throw one out, give it to you guys. Let, let me know what you think. Um, will Priest. Love it. Yeah. Any one. explanation required? No, highest, we've already spoken about it. averaging <laughs> defender. Love it. I, I never thought I'd Lock say the in. words, but Nick Del Santo has finally given one person a consistent role. Oh, my God. I know. That, wow. was, a, that, I, I, that, that was a monumental is, occasion. That crow that I just ate tasted terrible. <laughs> Can I just oh. go back to my highlights of the week and put Liam giving some praise to Collingwood? I mean, God. Liam giving some praise to St Kilda. <laughs> Specifically Nick Del Santo. Yeah. Just nice. let it be known okay. I still He's... want him to be fired. <laughs> Noted. Oh. Liam, over to you then. Heads. Rising Hello, star, heads. Nom. Uh, Still a love it. Uh, I know that she was a trade out for a bunch of people this week, and someone on the podcast may have talked about trading her out last on our last week's episode. Yes, I was tossing up. Um, well, actually, no, I was saying that I'm not going to do any backline trades last week, so I was never actually going to trade her out. But she was one that I was going to be looking at coming into this week when I just knew I needed to do a backline trade. And got to say, Ella Heads, you've stuck in there another week now because that was a great score. And I like that cash gen. My next one I've got here is Bess Keeney, who uh, frustrated me when I started with her, but she finally had the type of game that I was really hoping she would play, where she's, and maybe it's because they're reversing Adelaide and it's a really tough matchup for them, but Gold Coast are doing a lot better than I thought they would this season to start off with. Um, but then in arguably their hardest matchup to date and by far, she had a cracker of a game, um, Heaps of tackles, lots of kicks, lots of marks. She was just like that backline role that you want to see where they just intercept it before it gets any further. And uh, I don't necessarily think she is a trade in, I guess, for some of the reasons we spoke about last week. How does a lot of people in Gold Coast backline that get some points? Um, also, I think Gold Coast could be in for a good season, but oh, just had to mention it. What their a great run, week. Their run's really bad next two weeks. Mm. Horrid would yeah. not be trading in Best Keeney and might be considered trading her out. Same as the next person we're probably going to mention. Yeah, we already spoke about Jordan Allen a little bit there um, with Will's insights. Um, uh, I was mean. I was going to throw to Dizzy Darcy for the same reasons that Gold Coast defender wouldn't 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 be bringing them in if you've already got them. Might be ones to move out. Would you? Would you? Are you going to trade her out, Will? Not this week, based on my current trades, but. What it's it's tempting. I might have to see what it what I can do with it. Yeah, this was another week where I was probably in my current trades. I've done done a ruck mid and forward and left my backline as it is. Um, but yeah, it's definitely one to consider. Um, Stanit, Liam mentioned a little bit before about her confusing role. Love it or lister it. It's a lister it for me. Uh, as a trade-in, mm-hmm. if you got her, you hold her, it's not worth trading out. We know that defenders are bloody impossible to pick. But it's the fact that, yeah, she had her highest CBA role and her second worst score. I would be avoiding Fremantle, um, just the the place and then also the team. Oh. <laughs> for, for reference, I'm saying that just because Mel is from Perth and it, it would cut slightly more deep than otherwise. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. For the record, for our listeners at home, Mel's face was one of actual hurt. Just a little, oh, oh, that's rough. Yeah. 
Um, well, speaking of Rafa and Mel, uh, Gunjaka, what a great trade-in option that was last week, Will. So glad I convinced you to do that as we were sitting at the game. <laughs> For the record, everyone at home, I had Charlotte Thomas in my team up until 10 minutes before until Mel decided to start talking about saving money <laughs> and I got sucked in. Currently, I don't love it, but I'm going to say keep her for another week just because I think that she can do okay uh, in the next couple of weeks. But if she has a second shocker in a row, that's a definite delista. Is it? Is it a wait one more week if you've got her but don't be picking her up? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If you've got her, I, w- I don't think it's worth trading her out at the moment, but I wouldn't be bringing her in. Yeah, her scoring line looks like the next player that we got a question about, which is Katie Lynch, because Claudia Gunjaka goes 80-80-30. Now, Katie Lynch has just come off two good scores. We got a question on Twitter, is Katie Lynch an option? I'd be lying if I wasn't tempted. <sighs> you say two Ugh. good scores. She's gone 80-40-70, 50-40. Hang on. Really? Yep. You... That's what I'm like. This is this is stay away zone for me. Oh, sorry, I missed a forty in the middle. I thought I, when I read it earlier, I was like, oh, that's a sixty. That's fine. What are we? What are we worrying yeah, about? Kay, Kay, Katie Lynch is a classic yo-yo defender. I can see why people attempted, but don't be fooled. I, yeah, <laughs> it's I'm a lister it for me. The, bit I'm of lister the gamble. <laughs> bit of lister. Yeah. Over to the midfield. Um, Presparkus. It's a which it's one? a ooh, which one? That would be Georgie. Um, she's had it down a week. She lost a bit of money. Oh, I think that could be a good love it for me. I'm actually going to go to what I said earlier in the week and say I'm actually going to lister it for a week because I mm. think that she could lose a bit more money against a tough opposition to score against in Essendon, and then she'll be ripe for the picking next week. It really does come down to what you think she can score because her uh, break even at the moment predicted is one nineteen. We know that she can go above that, but let's say she were to score, Will, what you reckon, which is about 100. She kind of did what she did against Sydney in that weird game with the game at North Sydney. She'd lose about 50K, which puts her at 1.65, 1.7, sorry, 1.065 or 1.07 mil. So very attainable Mm. trade up or sideways for Benici if you've got her or even Tiana Smith if you're still holding. It's a big up from Tiana Smith as someone that tried to do that, but yes. Um, so Benici, she's a listerette for me. The matchup yeah. next week, the downward trajectory of the scores. Yeah. If it wasn't for that matchup, I would have said, love it, just keep her on board. She's a consistent scorer, had one down week, but bad matchup. If you if you can afford that trade, if you don't have other areas to work on, I think that's a good good time to, to make a switch. Liam, what about Amy McDonald? Uh poor. I think I love it. I think I love it because she's cheaper than Georgie. We know that she has the ceiling. She's got the ceiling in the 120s, even before longer games. Uh, has still had some scores in the hundreds this year. Has kind of mirrored similar to what we saw with Riddell, where there's just some times where she throws in a 70. She was scored more than Georgie last week, and I don't think she's going to cop attention from Essendon, even if they are a – I think they're a uh, – they're a difficult matchup for midfielders, but I think Amy McDonald is someone that I still back in to, to go above what she's priced at. 
or at least above her break even, and she'll be mightily unique. So I love it. Riddell was a hard one for me because I loved having her in my side for those first couple of weeks where she made a lot of money. Um, she Was has... it a mistake to trade her out? No, because I traded her at the right time. Uh, <laughs> I, so I did nail that game. But now I'm like, I want to bring her back in, but I've got this weird thing about once I traded you out, you're out, um, which obviously doesn't apply to Bowers and whatever. But uh, <laughs> watch and wait for Bowers back in my side for the third time. But... Yeah, I think she's still really good potential. She's still so lowly owned. The tag's going to Ghana, if anything. Oh, God, I want to bring her back in. Yeah, personally, I love it. And it's the person I'm trading T. Smith for this weekend is the reason why Dizzy Darcy's still in my side. Yeah. Um, Damn, T. I'm Smith in a similar up spot. to her. Riddell and Dowrick are the two that I'm, like, getting rid of Benici and T. Smith. That's where I'm looking. Yeah. To, to me, Riddell has had one... Poor game, which we we talked a bit about, where she scored that seventy nine against Geelong. Other than that, hasn't dropped below one hundred and five. Fremantle, we know that teams can score reasonably well against because their midfield is all over the place. Um, I, I think that she's a good option, and also considering her average is probably very well priced as well. I should say as well. Yeah, she is one of the best for that. It just kills me that I traded her out, and now she's the. Fifth high scoring player. Well, she did lose a bit of money last week. So far. So you traded her yep. out at a good time. That's true. And Robotham was also me, better. I think. I, I think I gained like 30 points. I, th- I gained about 30 points by going from her to, to Robotham. I just should have done the week mm. before when she scored a 70. Speaking of, Robotham? Um, yeah. To me, it's keeper if, keeper if you got her. I don't think you're trading her out at this stage because that's a very luxury trade. But, yeah, I wouldn't be bringing her in. Yep. Um. Dowrick, you've already mentioned, big fan of. Just for the run. And it's there's also just some symmetry in my mind to bring her in against Sydney in the game I traded <laughs> ah, her personal redemption. Year. There's some cosmic um, narrative resonance like to that. We, we just know that in this game, Dowrick is either going to score 146 or like 20. Or two. The cosmic resonance is going to happen. We just don't know which way yet. Yep. Um, quickly, uh, Ali Anderson... I think given what we've seen for Brisbane's matchup and how it's suggested, just going back to my notes. I've got it as only greens until round 10. Yeah, okay. I don't know why I thought I had a flag for Brisbane there. Oh, that was for rucks. Yeah. Um, yeah, don't fine. mind it. Um, unique option. Probably not the highest scoring, but has been very consistent, so I don't mind it, especially as a sideways trade for someone like a Benici. Yeah, that's true. If you can't get up there. Um, and lastly, Blackburn. Oh, I don't don't like the dogs, personally. No, me neither. I don't like the dogs that much either, but I don't mind Blackburn because before last round she was below a million. She's now only just popped up above. Uh, we know that she has three-week stretches in her where can, she can be a top three, top four averaging player in the competition. And the Western Bulldogs run is fine, actually good for basically the rest of the year. So a matchup this week against Carlton, who aren't going to be able to stop her, straight rolls on then into a game against uh, Adelaide, which are not actually that hard yeah, to score against for midfielders they? because they just they just don't care. They'll let you do whatever you want. Yeah, tacklers will still beat you by 50. And then rolls into that against a game against Sydney. And like Sydney can 
give up decent enough scores. I think Ellie Blackburn is a, like in the same price bracket as Bedowrick, mm. but possibly, has better pedigree. Possibly a player that if you don't have a huge bank of cash to move on T. Smith, you can mm. only need about 100, 150K to get up to Blackburn. Could be a good value pick there. We had a question here from Twitter, I think. Uh, how cheap are you willing to go in the midfield for a trade? So this is one that I've just seen percol- percolating around because obviously we're at the stage now where we're trying to have completed midfields and then trying to fix up for some dud defenders and forwards. I was just having a look as well at kind of who are the cheapest players that I would bring into my midfield at the moment. Uh, I would have said last week it was Ellie Blackburn just because I think that she's the only one so who's at that point kind of price who has here? the ceiling. Just a mill, essentially. I'm talking about like probably just above 900K. So the cheapest player that I would be willing to have at my M5, poor, I really don't hate the idea of Jenna Bruton, who's now put up 110. Jenna Bruton's at 947K. And then Bell Doors is at 976. The one that I really have loved what they've done the last two weeks yep, is Greg, Greg Egan. So Grace Egan. Uh, at, Just under a million. Uh, she's not going to cop a tag this week either uh, and is still below a million. And then you go up into Dowrick, Blackburn, I don't like Whitford, and then basically from there it's players we've talked about all season, Swanson, Benici, et cetera. So it's probably Bruton and above is the lowest I'm willing to go for my M5. If you don't yeah. have T. Smith or something. Yes, or you're looking to be scrimpy and from your from your T. Smith up. Yeah, I think the only one that I'd probably throw at you would be Kirsty Lamb is probably the only one under that price that I'd consider, but I probably wouldn't just because of the way my team's structured. But 869, just come off a 91. We know she can score well. Maybe the, the cheapest option you could consider, but I think generally speaking around that million mark is where you're looking. Yep, I agree. Over to the forwards. Oh, Malloy. Yeah, I know we spoke about this a little bit earlier, but um, I feel like she's got a decent enough run for her to stay in the love pile, but mm. I would like to list her just because I'm annoyed. And I like yeah. uh, something, something I joke about a lot is that my fantasy team is players <laughs> that I like watching as well. That is a different element because I'm, I'm not here to win. I'm here to have fun as my rank suggests. And Malloy is getting to frustrating watching levels and therefore she's someone that I kind of want to trade out. <laughs> Liam? Yeah, I fully echo that sentiment. I just have bigger problems and I would say that Kaufman's <laughs> probably a worse player. But my question for you is if you've got Malloy and single, Malloy with the better run and the better ceiling stays in your side at, M- at the F5 or is it single with the worse run and the more consistency? And she will never get tagged. Single. Fair. Until she goes against Parker. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking looking at Molloy out this week. I, I'm in a similar boat where, like, as much as Dizzy Darcy's um, possibly more a priority, I'm like, Mel, where I've just kind of got sick of it. Even though Daisy Darcy's also had two crap weeks. Yeah, but I think I'm more, more willing to put up with it in defence for some reason. I feel like the forward line's where they should be getting points. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, the forward line is for the forwards that are not really forwards that are midfielders that are racking up the points. And if I get a 40 or a 50 in the fence, I'm like, oh, okay. If I get a, if I get a low score in the forward, I'm like, damn it. Yeah, you go, eh, <laughs> Wasted <happens>. opportunity. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I think um, essentially my second trade 
this week is choosing which of Darcy or Malloy to go. And the reason I've gone for Malloy is because I can probably find someone cheaper to get the money to go up to Riddell. Whereas if I want to move on Dizzy Darcy, there's not a huge amount of money I can actually make from that trade to get someone who I think will score well. Um, Goldsworthy. This is an interesting one as someone that traded her out annoyingly. Um, is she one that you bring in at this price? Like, is she not just someone, can we look past the fact that she started cheap and has made a lot of money and take her on instead as a genuine mid-pricer? I think you can. I think you can. I think you'd be. I love it. I think you'd be disappointed to have missed out on that cash gen, but I don't see why you can't pick her considering that if you take out that score that she had at the start of the year, which was the 26, Mm. she scored two seventies and 80 and a hundred. That's fantastic for a player who's less than a million yeah i i think it's a i think it's a great trade she's priced at 85 at the moment uh and like i i think she has the ceiling we've talked about the fact that gws has a great run she's at that kind of 40 percent cba's role and i think that in games that are more normal where uh gws actually kick goals she is the number one candidate i reckon to actually kick them so that she had an all right score on the weekend and I think she can go even better. So, yeah, I, I love it. I think she's fringe top five. I think she might be a better player than single for the rest of the season. We've already spoke a little bit about Davidson. Hooker uh, is a very interesting one as well. You've traded her out already, Will? I did. Um, I missed out on the 96, which was when I traded Malloy for her. So that was all around just bad. Um, I think Hooker's probably going to score mostly around that 60, 70 mark. So if you've got a fine at an F5, if that's what you're running with, but I think you can probably do better. Um, probably not like a priority trade out at the moment, but definitely not a priority trade in, put it that way. Woe is a fascinating one as well. She's kind of snuck up on us. Like actually, if you look at the average ranking, she's kind of been up there in the top 10 this whole time. Um, have either, either one of you actually seriously considered, ter- tra- uh, wow, I'm nailing that. Have either one of you actually seriously considered trading her in at any stage? Not really, because Will's already mentioned it on like episode two. She has a 30 in her, which mm. is concerning. And then also hasn't yet. Yeah, it hasn't happened yet. And it's like the you know, the exploding whale on the beach. It's like when is it gonna happen and just destroy your side? But also she only had seventy one percent time on ground on the weekend. So Still scored a Not, 77, it's a, it's though. A, it's a, it's a, yeah, I know, but it's, I, so, that was so weird. Um, uh, I think it's a list of it for me. I think for me, beyond the 105, which was the only time I genuinely considered bringing her in, which was after round two, and the reason I didn't was for that reason you just said, Liam, is because I know there's a 30 somewhere. Um, she scored consistently between 67 and 77. Tight banding. It's the sort of thing where, like, if you've got her as your F4 or 5 at the moment, great. You know you're going to get consistent scoring, but I don't think it's going to be enough to actually get her into that top five towards the end. I don't think there's much more money to be made from Sarah Rowe. I think if you've got her, fine, not a priority, but I wouldn't be bringing her in. And is there anyone else you guys wanted to speak about? Uh, Yes, there are a few, but Mm -hmm. I will keep them brief. Um, I think Paxi Paxman, uh, if you take away, again, if you take away a bad score in round one, is another player to look at. I love. 
the other one that I wanted to talk about at GWS was Mickey Barr, who again is doing consistent things with a more consistent role, which is again one of those ones where I'm like, oh, that's some great advice, Liam. Why didn't you do that in your own sites? Like, because I'm dumb sometimes. So I love Nikki Barr. And then the other one who I think is a name that has not been discussed really at any point, and that's Emma King, who has a three-game average above 80. She has been getting more time in the ruck and then drifting forward. And we talked about the fact that North have a great forward run. Last This past round going, gone, like there was very few goals scored by North Melbourne. Uh, I actually thought Kate Shearwell might have been an interesting play at the 500K range, and she did absolutely nothing. But I think Emma King... She's getting, I think, about 30 or 40% ruck contest, but when she does go, she just has CBAs, taps, and then goes sits forward. So I actually think that's a really interesting play if you want to pod. I just want to quickly say that I say it every time Nikki Barr comes on. I'm so glad Nikki Barr's finally given, been given a role where she can actually play the game that she can play. So I've been watching her for years play terrible roles. And it's so <laughs> nice to see her playing a good role. Uh, We're a bit emotional. Are we, are we recording a bit late? It, it, years of pain. <laughs> this is this is seven seasons worth of watching Nikki Barr not be the player that I know she can be, simply oh because of gosh. roles. Ah, mm. oh, beautiful. Well, that leads us into the ruck question, um, which is. I'm going to sit this one out. See you guys. Yeah, boy. Um, <laughs> yep. So smug corner. That's okay. He deserved the smugness for this one. I'd say. The question is, is now that Matilda Schultz has made a lot of money and she's up there uh, in the 800s, the reason why you would bring in a rookie ruck is not, well, cash gen so that you can upgrade. You can either upgrade earlier like Will did or you can get to the point now where we are where you're considering upgrading. She's made enough money that we can shuffle her across to someone else uh, that's got a higher average for not a lot of extra money on her head. Is this the time you do it and if so, to who? I might start here um, because I was seriously considering this for this week, uh, but to me it's still a little bit of a luxury trade. I would love to do it, um, but I think uh, I think I might need to fix up Darcy and single ahead of a lovely upgrade <laughs> from Schultz to Strom. But if I were to do it, it would be Schultz to Strom, and the reason for this is because when you have a look at a post-Bowers world for Frio, yeah, there's a lot of chaos, but understandably there's a lot of chaos because you've got Bowers out who's f- for the foreseeable future. A large share of the tackles have gone to Strom. She's still taking hitouts uh, with Hetherington not playing. Kind of between her, um, oh, I wrote this down somewhere else, but uh, there's only a few people that are really getting those uh, tackles and hitouts in Frio. And if she can take the lion's share of them, I can see her continuing to do better and better. I was really hoping some of these would go to uh, Jay Flynn, which had a she had a pretty good game on the weekend as well. I think Liam might have been hoping some of them go to Kaufman. But I think Strom uh, – and Will was hoping some of them would go to East. But I think Strom is the ultimate winner yeah. from this. I was this. about to say, in the, in the end, the Ruck was the one that took the tackles. It was – The answer is – no one took the tackles. Turbo yeah. left the team and they had 30 fewer. <laughs> like, it's just that Strom has stayed consistent. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Mm, yeah. So I think that she's a real contender for a ruck upgrade for only an additional 124 grand or 120-ish grand um, as compared to uh, Morfitt, who is 13-point average ahead, basquillion dollars ahead when you're thinking about a ruck upgrade. She is almost unattainable having made 
so much money. You kind of wanted to be on the Morphet bandwagon a while ago because even though we've made mm. more money with Schultz, we've not even Good really point. got close to point, being though. able to sideways. Okay, and now the smug corner. <laughs> no, <laughs> do, not, the do not send it. Do not send it to the smug corner. Uh, <laughs> oh, agree it. with almost all of what you're saying with on Strom or everything about up until you say she's the one you want to, I, I, you'd target to bring in. I think Which is Edmonds. one I'm targeting to bring in. Yes. yes. I think I think Edmonds at I think 47k more is the better option because she has no competition for her role. She had I think 100% time and ground on the weekend, which if you look at what she was doing in her first season at Western Bulldogs is out, outstanding. She was at like 40% time on ground when she was at Richmond and then at the Dogs. So I think the fact that she has no competition for her role she does not have many particularly hard matchups after this week. I think I'm really hoping this is going to be timed up perfectly. She's got the Carlton matchup this week, won't score amazingly. Matilda Schultz has Ali Morfitt in the ruck, which is a really easy matchup to score against because Ali Morfitt's actually not very good at stopping other people from rucking. She's just a really good kick long ball clearance midfielder who happens to be 188 centimetres. I think those two, Edmund's bad. Schultz good this week would mean that that gap gets smaller. It's a trade for me next week. Yeah, I like that. Um, the one thing I will just add, though, is the reason I like Strom and the fact that she doesn't have that role to herself is that it does allow her to do a bit more of everything else rather than just being in the ruck. Um, where she's got, I mean, last when she was playing the Bombers, she had 33 hitouts, uh, so it's like kind of high 20s or low 20s to low 30s, which is kind of similar to... Um, oh, kind of similar to Edmonds in that way, in that she can go from like low twenties to mid high thirty. So I think it is kind of similar. Um, so I think it's. But we did see that from that analysis I was talking about earlier. The Bulldogs have the best, one of the best lineups for rucks. So that definitely adds in. Um, however, to me, like you said, for you, rucks are a luxury trade that are probably not going to get done this week as much as I would love to. Interestingly enough as well, they're the two highest tackling rucks as well. Listed as rucks or playing as rucks? Playing as rucks. Probably listed oh. as rucks as well, I would assume. Uh, well, yeah, they are both yeah. listed as rucks, but I'm actually not looking at like fantasy stats. I'm looking at like mm. the actual AFLW stats. And yeah, they've got the two hi- highest number of tackles uh, and they're 20%, sorry, yeah, 20% higher than anyone else at 31 and 30. The next highest is 24 and 23. Nice. And what's your source? Uh, the aflw.com.au forward slash aflw forward slash stats. <laughs> yeah, nice. I like it. I know. it's it's. I've, I've really delved deep into the internet for these ones. Liam, did you want to talk through Captain's Corner? Yes. Uh, so, yes, we finally finished now a very long Hot Topics. We're now going to have a quick drop by at uh, Captain's Corner. Don't want to spend that much time here because it was not a good time to be there because... Noffy and Garner were both below 100, both for the first time this season, and they were both a rough watch. Uh, I think both were surprisingly low scores for different reasons. I I really thought that teams would keep going with the conventional theory and and hitting up uh, single, but it it sounds like uh, that was also mirrored by by the rest of the coaches because she was the most highly selected coach in both the top 1,000 and top 100, and then Garner was the most popular VC. 
Uh, but as it turns out, uh, Gardner was the one to go with. In terms of captain's targets this week, I don't think it'll come as any surprise, but I really will have Ebony Marinoff high once again. I also uh, am really hot on uh, Charlie Robottom, and I again am going to be turning to Laura Gardner up against uh, another expansion side in Port Adelaide this week. I think all are going to be high in my captain's rankings. Liam, I can see there is one listener question here. Basement price mid-options that should have made some money on the bench. I think the emphasis here is on should. Is this past tense? Should make some money on the bench. Oh, should as make. In, I thought I was should have. Could, could be anyone. <laughs> it could be no one. It could be no oh. one. Yeah. I think this this is a question we get kind of at this time of the week and, and every week, and it's bloody hard to tell with this new pricing system. It's so dependent on your matchup from that week. I can't even say like, oh, someone's got a break even of two. Uh, it's really, really difficult. We, we see a lot of scores in the 20s that take away someone who was priced at you know 340 and they're back at 300 again, looking at you, Ariana Harrington. It's really, really tough to pick who the good rookies are going to be. You know, Aurora Smith kind of came out of nowhere. She's now at 600K. She's had a score on the weekend that is higher than anything she's ever scored at AFL or VFLW before. Just kind of out of randomly, out of nowhere. It's really tough to answer this. You kind of just have to go with your gut a little bit. Don't pick players. I would say avoid players who are have played like a, a full game of seasons and are still only at 300K because it's going to be really tough for them to kind of push out of that bracket because of the way the pricing works. Yeah, you're almost having to take a gamble on a debutant who gets named at this stage. If, we have, if you see someone who gets named uh, who hasn't played before, that's probably going to be your best bet. Yeah, the only name that I would put out there for, uh, they're not a mid, they're a defender, particularly if you're looking to try and find someone to replace Mia Bush on your bench. She's very highly owned. Uh, Kira Fitzpatrick scored a 51 or 50-something on the weekend. Uh, uh, I think that Karen that Pe- Fitzgerald, that's it. Uh, <coughs> I think that we'll see that uh, Cordner may miss again with her hand injury, as will Kez Peterson with her knee soreness on the weekend. Uh I think she has a break even of like 10. So you're probably going to make some cash if you do. And then the rest, um, um, your guess is as good as mine. Wicksteed, Pope, Tripodi, like who ever knows. Tripodi, who's now back to 300 after. I know, it's, as yeah, well. it's ridiculous. Well, uh, I was going to go through the trade plans, but it's been a long episode and I've undone mine multiple times while recording this, which, uh, Liam, you get to edit out my little tippy taps on the keyboard later. So enjoy that one. Um, <laughs> especially with my finger and still in its cast so it's real good um look we might leave it there um you can find us at free kick w pod no yes, yes. what's our social handle yeah. free kick w pod that was it you go yeah. off hosting for one week and you forget the social <laughs> handle oh it's gone out of my head you can find us at free kick w pod on instagram and twitter uh, and listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me on Insta and Twitter as Hi Mel D. Will. They can find me on Instagram and Twitter uh, at Will H underscore VI, finding all of the great players, including the great Laura Gardner at the games. Oh, so jealous. I wish I stuck around for that second game. And Liam? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Liam AFLW Fantasy. Uh, and you can also... I think it's much more likely this week with the timing of games there might be a free kick on air Twitter space on Thursday night because we actually have normal game times now. Oh, 
Yeah, we're not going to have to do a wild shuffle uh, in five minutes before the first game starts on Friday. Thank God. Two hours. <laughs> oh, yeah, that I already saw have, that. that. That actually may have saved me from trading in Cordy Gonjaco. So you never know mm. how much it can really affect you. <laughs> oh, golly. Um, awesome. Well, we'll chat to you all next week. Catch you later, Bye. everyone. See ya.